couple members of the Randy Newman fandom discussing one of his songs at random, followed by another that's a cover. It's Wheel of Randy. I love that theme song so much, I don't have the heart to tell him that he got the premise wrong. Welcome back to Wheel of Randy, everybody. Every week we discuss a couple of Randy Newman songs. First one is the pick of my guest, then we spin the wheel and talk about one at random. Wheel of Randy is part of the Good Trash Media Podcast Network and is brought to you by Wade Engineering. Stay tuned after the show for a message from Wade Engineering. Spoiler alert, it's just me. Let's start the show. It's Wheel of Randy! This week on the show, we've got Dave Barnhart. Dave's someone I've known since childhood, and we are, our paths have, have, have run parallel uh, for, for a long, long time. Uh, Dave and I went to high school together in beautiful Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, Dave is currently a Methodist minister, and, which is uh, also the career path that my wife took, so <laughs> I've always been able to, to commiserate with, with, with Dave <laughs> and his journeys, but he is the pastor at St. Junior's United Methodist Church in the <laughs> Birmingham area. Uh, he's also a prolific author he's a very talented blogger and a funny guy y'all 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 will enjoy getting to know him dave barnhart everybody welcome to wheel of randy thanks so much appreciate it what is going on in birmingham these days we're recording this in july so mm -hmm. uh, well um, election is over so what, what what's news in birmingham these days well you know the usual things uh hospitals running out of icu beds and uh um, you know, the occasional protest, uh, not so much in, in Birmingham, but in Hoover, uh, which is a suburb of Birmingham. Um, Why and, is protests in Hoover? That's a, that's a fairly affluent suburb, isn't it? It is. Well, that's, that's partially why, because uh, actually, so there's a little bit of history. In the 1960s, um, uh, Mr. Hoover, who founded Hoover, uh, was a, you know, essentially a neo-Nazi and KKK supporter. And he, he established Hoover in order to be a white flight utopia from Birmingham after Brown v. Board. Um, and, uh, and, it, and in many ways, you know, it still has, has a racist history. In the present, it has, uh, the, the police are very authoritarian toward protests. So if you go protest there, they'll arrest you for no, no real reason. So because they are that way, more protests happen there. <laughs> So they, they I, naturally I escalate. I seem to recall you got arrested a couple of years ago. I did. I got arrested in Montgomery, um, and that was uh, two occasions. One was um, uh, protesting in the, in the state capitol. Um, our secretary of state is, is, does voter suppression tactics, so we, we were there protesting. And then um, another one was the, the Confederate memorial in uh, in Montgomery, we put chalk on it, and because there's a law against defacing Confederate memorials, we were arrested um, for putting chalk dust on on the memorial, which you know again predictable 
mean, it's so we, so we, we knew. What, what what do you have against kids learning history? I don't understand. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's it's amazing because the, I mean, the the rhetoric out there about how these statues teach history. But if you actually have a curriculum that teaches about slavery, uh, they try to get it removed from schools. Oh so, yeah, Tom Cotton's been going nuts about that this week. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what's going on here. It's, you know, um, largely learning how to do church online has been an interesting, interesting process. You know, we do, we do house churches, so we're a little bit different anyway already. Um, in many ways, this transition has not been that hard for us because we're discussion-oriented, so we just move our discussions to Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a, you know, we've, we never had like a 20-piece orchestra or big choir that, you know, so it's never been performance oriented, um, which in some ways is, is good for this medium that we're using. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's what's going on in Birmingham in my world. All right. Well, it's a real similar situation here in, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma city. We've got, got our protests. We've got our, our hospital situation or we're running parallel paths as always. And yeah, even, even the the football season being (laughs) in danger isn't enough to get people motivated. But I've got good news for you. uh Uh, I was with a client in rural Oklahoma the other day and one of his friends came in as we were talking and he informed me that the virus will immediately go away the day after the election. Oh, that's good to know. I'm glad yeah. to know that. So put that in your day planner. Wow. Well, so that actually... Write it out for a few more months. <laughs> wow. It, the conspiracy theories are pretty amazing. Um, you know, everything from being... So the, the vaccine is going to contain, you know, some kind of nano tracker that's going to get some information that we don't already voluntarily give through our iPhones. Um uh, yeah, it just it's it's mind-boggling. Seems like I I hate to make everything about race, mm-hmm. but it seems like the attitude changed once people realized that communities of color were being affected disproportionately. Yeah. Yep. No, I think I think that's true. I think if it were the case that um that white folks were twice as likely to suffer ill effects from this disease that the, the attitude would be a lot different. I think, you know, oh my gosh, it's kind of like when, when opioid addiction began um, to affect more white suburban families, suddenly, instead of being um, uh, drugs, suddenly being it was criminal, a medical issue. Yeah, it's a public health crisis. You know, addiction's a public health crisis. It's, it's no longer, let's just lock everybody up, right? Um, in, in Alabama, so this is some, uh, Alabama Appleseed Center for Justice did an analysis of arrests. Uh, Black folks are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than white folks, even though we know white people use more drugs, you know? Um, So yeah, it's, it's a similar kind of thing. I think if, if, if this were affecting white folks more. So it's interesting because I think one of the things that people have kind of tried rhetorically, I've seen, I've seen some memes being passed around. Um, if uh, if it were the case that that COVID affected uh, men's fertility or men's um, you know if it created erectile dysfunction, then you can bet there would be a lot of concern about it. Um, anyway, that's just my 
cynical take on it. For years now, and it, it is crazy that it has been years. Uh, for years now, I have have read and taught uh, Sunday school lessons mm-hmm. you know, myself based on the first book that you put out, which is called God Shows No Partiality. Oh. Um, to audience, th- this is this is one you need to buy if 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 you can't afford it, come over to my place and wash my dog, and I'll buy this book <laughs> because I. Th- I I very rarely read a, a theological book where I'm not, you know, breaking out my red pen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this, this this is one that that, that really spoke to me. To, uh, give the elevator pitch for God shows no partiality. Sure. Okay. Well, so there's this this phrase that shows up in the New Testament quite a bit. In shows up in Paul. It shows up in the Gospels. It shows up in James. Um, which is essentially God, God shows no partiality or uh, God doesn't play favorites or um, there's a variety of ways you could, you could translate it, but it's essentially um, Paul uses it a lot because he's trying to make peace between this new Jewish cult of Christians and the Gentiles who want to join them. And because there's various levels of, of prejudice Sometimes, you know, if, if people are from a Greek background, uh, a Roman Empire background, they would look at other people as, as barbarians. Mm-hmm. Um, certain, certain sects of Jews would look at Gentiles as being uh, beneath them or not. You know, the, these people can't really be holy unless they first become Jewish. And so this new Jewish cult has to adapt to saying, okay, well, these Gentiles can be part of the club even if they don't get circumcised. The whole that was really, conspiracy. Yeah, go, yeah, exactly. You know, in, in Corinthians, it's the eating meat controversy. But, um, but you can see how, I mean, there's, there's this attempt at bridging uh, difference. And in order to do that, the, you know, the, re, the whole reason I'm here at all as a, as a Christian is that um, – Paul and others made this argument that Gentiles should be led in a club and shouldn't have to become Jewish before they, before they did so. Um, and Paul's argument toward Gentiles was, hey, you guys, you're nothing special. It's not that God is cutting Jews off and saying, okay, you're my new chosen people. The whole idea is you guys get to be Jews by proxy because of what Jesus did. And so the whole idea is we all get to be part of this community, so be humble about it, because you know? God shows no partiality. So it really, um, I believe it was a slogan for the early church. I think it's something that everyone knew and said, because it shows, it crops up in so many different places in the New Testament. Um, you know, when people are asked to summarize what Christianity means, frequently they say John 3.16, for God so loved the world, the cosmos, that God gave God's only son, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is great. That's, that's important. But God shows no partiality shows up five times more often than that verse <laughs> in the New Testament. So uh, I'm not saying that that's like, that's a summary of Christianity. What I'm saying is it's a slogan that everybody accepted. Um, and I, I feel like, man, wouldn't that, if that was a slogan of the church today, wouldn't that change everything? Um, Anyway, that's so that that was kind of the impetus for the book, and um, I actually wrote it um, just before I started 
St. Junia because I wanted to have a, um, St. Junia is the church that I serve, um, because I wanted to have almost like a brochure. I wanted to have a book I could give people to let them know that I wasn't just lying, that this wasn't a bait and switch, because there are a lot of churches around that would, for example, say to gay folks, oh, you're, everyone's welcome here. We love everybody. Oh, we love, yes. Yeah. Um, now, when you get here, you know, you'll be a second-class citizen, and we really want you to change, but we love you, and you're, and you're welcome here. So, um, you know, to me, that's, that's a bait and switch. Um, and, and there were a lot of churches, especially as we were getting started, that really, I mean, they saw um, uh, anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ uh, policies as, as essentially bad press, but there was nothing theologically wrong with them. It's just bad marketing, right? So we need to change, <laughs> just need to change our marketing. Um, and I didn't want to be like, like that. There's a lot of, a lot of churches that are actually very um, fundamentalist, um, and and but they they do a good job hiding it, um, and I really wanted to say no. I think I'm coming at the gospel from a totally different direction. So that was that's why I wrote the book. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for asking about it. I'm I'm honored that you use it in Sunday school too. So well, I'll, I'll I'll include a, a link on on today's episode for that. Okay, one one more church question. Yeah, the name Saint Junia. That's not hip, Dave. <laughs> no, call your not. church the, the Fountain or right. MethChurch.tv. Yeah, right. Exactly. Why are you calling it Saint Junior? <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, yes, exactly. You're right because so many churches, like again, it's marketing. It's about you know wanting to to be hip, and I really don't care about being hip. I really want to connect with our ancient traditions and the the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that um uh well saint junia is the only named female apostle in the bible in romans 16:7 paul explicitly says uh, andronicus and junia are first among the apostles um but of course we have this this history uh of women being excluded from ministry and you know women can't be apostles so I really wanted to come out the out of the gate, even with our name, saying, "Look, not only do we affirm women in ministry, we're going back behind this fundamentalist sexist theology to our actual roots, right. uh, which are about women and leadership. I mean, the early church wouldn't have existed if it weren't for Phoebe and Chloe and Nyssa and all these other people that Paul explicitly says in his letters were leaders of the early church. You know, Mary Mags, uh, Mary Magdalene." Um, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so all these, all these women leaders who, and, and of course the, the women who were at the tomb were the first preachers. Um, they were the first to proclaim the good news. And, and so by tying that back to St. Junia, I mean, part of it is I wanted to come up with sort of an obscure name. So people would ask, you know, well, who's that? And then I could tell them exactly what I've told you <laughs> <laughs> because people have this notion that they know what Christianity is. Like they, the, or, what they or, got, or, or, or that, or that we know the ones that are uncompromising about it. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, for some reason, for some reason, the torchbearers for the faith, the people who get get lifted up as being the faithful ones, are are the people like Jerry Falwell 
and um, Franklin Graham and these people who, in my opinion, we, we don't really have the same religion, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm just saying that this, what they believe is nothing like what I believe. Um, and so it, it, it frustrates me when I hear Christianity um, used as a synonym for religious conservatism or sexism or white supremacy. Um, is, that, um, anyway. is that is that uniquely American? I mean, in your travels, have you seen people mix those two up? Well, so I I do think white supremacy is certainly um, not not sexism because you know you've got Irish Catholics who will tell you plenty about <laughs> their <laughs> background. Um, you know, when we went to Scotland um, a couple of years ago, it was in, we a group of pastors went and we went to a pub and. Um, people were real friendly with us until they learned that we were pastors and then they wouldn't talk to us anymore. Huh. So I, I felt like, you know, it, it was, it was like, you know, we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. Um, I think Europe has suffered because of so much re- religious conflict that that's one reason people are just done with religion in general. Um, I, I think it would, it would be, very easy to take that, that kind of cynical approach. Um, I, and I think part of that is when it, uh, it you know, we, America certainly suffered in, in the world wars, but mm-hmm. not on the home front like the, they did. We've not seen wide scale destruction yeah. like the Europeans faced. Right. And we right. haven't had to come to terms with, with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dave, uh, I am a shallow person. <laughs> no, you're kidding me. No way. And uh, to to the degree that, that that you have one accomplishment that if I had done that, uh, it's all I would talk about ever. Uh, <laughs> talk to me about Colin Hanks. Colin Colin Hanks. Um, what what am I what am I supposed to say about Colin Hanks? Uh, that uh, that Colin Hanks. Oh, tweeted oh, your tweeted. statement. <laughs> That's right. That's you don't right. even know what I'm talking about. This no, no, the, yeah, the, my life. The, the abortion. I'm sorry. <laughs> the abortion uh, thing that I wrote. Is that right? Yes. Because yes, yes, yes. yes. um, I because I wasn't sure who who tweeted it first. I saw Sean King first, and then oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, and I traced it back. Uh, I, I think I think I I did know that Colin Hanks tweeted it. I wasn't sure who actually started it, but um, and then uh, oh, who else? Uh, not. Uh, not Joan Baez. It was, um, oh, it was another, uh, Janice, Janice Ian. Is that right? Um, from the night anyway, famous folk singer anyway, but, but, but yeah, so it like made the rounds and I was, I was floored because I wrote it. Um, it was like two years later that it, someone stumbled across it and decided to make it go viral. Right. Yeah. And, And it illustrates how, you know, you, for me, I guess, I guess, and one of the things that I, I that doesn't, it, it illustrates for me that it's, it's not actually how well something is written. It's the influencer or the, who, who makes it go past the tipping point. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of, I mean, I've written a lot of stuff that I like a lot better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, I don't get to pick, uh, it, it really, you don't get to pick what, what takes off and what doesn't. And it's, I guess that's one of the things that makes me feel a little bit why, why I, I may not boast about it because it's like, 
you know, man, of all the, th- of all the things I've written, I, I, it was a good piece of writing. It was like a haiku. I mean, I felt like it was <laughs> short, short, punchy. Um, but it, uh, um, it's, it is funny um, to me because I, I don't feel like, like I earned anything with it. It just, <laughs> someone found it and it became viral. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, and it, it has, now, it, it, go ahead. Are, are your writings, is it still at DaveBarnhart.net? Is that the best place for people to read your, your Yeah, uh, your that's right. It, that basically forwards to a blog, uh, to my blog. And yeah, DaveBarnhart.net is my, is my uh, domain name. And then um, uh, I've been doing a devotional on comparing the Bhagavad Gita um, sacred Hindu text and the Bible, mm-hmm. um, which automatically would, you know, get me considered a heretic to a lot of a lot of christians but um but i've had so much fun doing that i guess since we've since i started in lent doing a sermon on the mount devotional and then of course we were in uh we were in isol- we were isolating in quarantine yeah, right, right around the time lent started yeah 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 and so actually my my writing amount has jumped way up just because it's part of what helps keep me sane and helps me process things um and uh, so I kind of went from that into doing another devotional. And then I, I was like, well, I've been enjoying reading the Bhagavad Gita. I'll just do a devotional on that. And so it's been, that's been fun. Um, and I do hope to turn that one into a book at some point. Well, let's talk a little music, Dave. Um, be- yes. before, we, before we talk Randy Newman, um, just so, so my audience has kind of a background, you know, what are some things that you're listening to these days? And, uh, and, what are some things you listen to, uh, you know, in high school, let's say? Right. Well, how about I'll go, I'll take those in the reverse order. I'll do. You yeah, know, that's probably so, how I should have done that. No, no, it's okay. It's cool. So um, I started off, <laughs> you know, my, my interest in high school, I, I wasn't really into pop music. I liked what at the time was alternative. So REM, U2, um, the stuff that was not playing on the radio so much. Um, you know, I, I guess I grew up on sort of the standard um it's always always this point when we're between eight and 13 or 14 where our parents music is our music too so um you know uh for my dad it was bj thomas and you know he would sing he at the time were oldies um and then uh i i when i sort of started finding my own interests uh i love progressive rock so uh pink floyd um jethro tull uh, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, Jethro Tull was huge in, in our circle in high school. Yeah. Yeah. There um, were, there were, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. <laughs> there were, there were a few people who I think it had, eluded me, but yeah, it seemed like there were a lot of tall people all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think again, similar, you have people who are influencers, right. And, and people kind of follow what they, what they're discovering. Um, so, um, and, and that was, and of course, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I was I was taught to really hate the 70s music. I mean, like disco and you know pop music and stuff. But yeah, and it, yeah, it's been interesting as I've gotten older how I have nostalgia for music I didn't really like when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> so, so some of the pop music, um, but but I'll tell you the new some of the new stuff I'm enjoying listening to. Um, I love Bishop Briggs. Uh, we went and heard her. Uh, when she came to to Birmingham, she's got kind of she's got a she's a small person with big pipes, 
Um, and uh, she has sort of a, a soulful, um, jazzy pop sound, I guess. I, I she would probably hate that. Very feminist uh, lyrics, that kind of stuff. I love Tank and the Bangas. Um, I got to hear them here in Birmingham also. Um, and then, so I'll tell you, one of the things that has been fun, I was listening to the, um, I was listening to uh, the soundtrack to the TV show Hannah that's on uh, Amazon. Okay. Um, has a lot of European, obscure European um, pop music that I really like. Um, and so if I go on Spotify, there's like, maybe 30,000 people have listened to this or something. It's not, it's not like 25 million. It's, you know, um, kind of a, a small group. I'm trying to see if I can find, uh, cause and, you know, for, for, for our younger crowd, you got to understand that, that, that in our day, you had to earn it. You had yes. to work to find this stuff. Yes. Well, that's, that's exactly it. And I, I want, I want to say like probably about the nineties was the first time I started liking because I mean, things started becoming more available, partially through the internet and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then, um, uh, I mean, I, f- I feel like there's access to all this stuff, some of which is really good. I mean, there's a lot of dreck also. Sure. But um, uh, I'm trying to think, see, like, okay, Pomplamoose is one that I've enjoyed listening to. So it's a, uh, I think it's a husband and wife duo. Um, but she has a very um, uh, plaintive, uh, girlish voice, which but sings some pretty powerful or hilarious lyrics, um, almost kind of a twenties feel. Um, I do also I like squirrel nut zippers, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, I think what I like most of all is just is just creativity. I don't like formulaic. Um, I don't like formulaic stuff. Uh, I like it when people, when lyrics are challenging or fun. Um, I like clever lyrics. Um, and I enjoy interesting instrumentation. So like if someone uses a a cello with a guitar, to me, that's, that's great, you know, or they're, they're doing something that isn't just, uh, three guitars and, and drums. Um, I will say I also like, uh, again, totally different genre. Um, and this is kind of a guilty pleasure because I hate the lyrics, but I love the music, uh, is Coheed and Cambria, um, which is more progressive rock, heavy metal. The lyrics make no sense. I know they're trying to tell a story. I don't really care what the story is, but I, it's just, it takes me back to my, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, that kind of stuff roots so all right well speaking of clever lyrics yeah you 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 you've you've picked a a a, a gut punch today tell tell the audience what what song you've brought to to the day well so i the one i picked was a few words in defense of our country um and it's almost it's almost not a song it's really more of a monologue yeah, um, it really is. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break here. Uh, sure, sure. You know, since we obviously don't have the rights to this, uh, going to get a quick pause so that our audience can listen to this. Uh, mm-hmm. It is off the album Harps and Angels, and we will 
I'll play a little public domain snippet and then <laughs> we will be back. Captain Races, sing this song. Do da, do da. All right. Yeah. A few words in defense of our country. You were saying it, it's, it, it's almost a spoken word piece. It is. Um, and I, I think, I mean, he, he, he sings just the chorus, but he speaks a lot of it. And, um, and part of the thing, I, I guess the reason I like it, there's two, there's two big reasons. One is that um, I, I think there's a, a so I, I studied the homiletics and rhetoric. So that was what I, my doctorate's in, in homiletics. So I did a lot of rhetorical what, study. What, what is homiletics? Homiletics is the art and theory of preaching. Um, so there's, there's both some theology and language, like linguistics and rhetoric and that kind of stuff in it. And I think there's a word for this, but I don't remember it. Um, when you say you're doing something, but you're actually doing uh, the opposite in your speech, like when um, Mark Antony says uh, in Julius Caesar, I've come not to praise Caesar, but to bury him. And then he goes on and praises him, you know. <clears throat> so, so I'm telling you I'm doing this, but I'm actually not racist, do... but yes, <laughs> perfect. Exactly. This isn't a racist thing, but yeah. Um, so when, when he starts off with, I'd like to say a few words in defense of our country, um, he says a couple of things, but he's not really talking about, uh, he's not, he's not speaking in defense of our country, right? <laughs> he's, uh, he's, telling a history lesson. So, so by what he's essentially saying is, look, we're not so bad when you compare us to these historical events, like, you know, the, uh, like Tiberius and Caligula and, and, you know, the Spanish inquisition and all this. We're not, not I I put the lyrics in the chat if you uh, need to reference them. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, so he starts off by saying, you know, our people aren't bad. They're not mean. Now, the leaders that we have, while they're, they're the worst we've had, are hardly the worst this poor world has ever seen. And then he, he, then he goes on to explain all these terrible leaders. Right. But, but by placing our leaders, <laughs> and he never says the president's name. No. And this was written uh, during the, the, the George W. Bush administration. For right, right. Yes, yes. So um, it's like it, it almost seems quaint at this point. <laughs> it it really does. It really does. And and, and uh, uh, prophet. I mean, predictive. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um, yeah. He he goes on to to um. He never actually says the president's name, but by placing the leaders in context with all these other terrible people, he's essentially saying, yeah. This, this this is our version (laughs) this is our version of all this terrible crap so so he's saying ironically this is in defense and it's even structured as a defense but it's all done as as an indictment Mm -hmm. um so i love i love that playfulness um and uh and angela was we i was angela and i were talking about this um the other day um he he is very um oh, I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly what he's he's over the top um i mean randy newman does a marvelous job at being serious but not serious you know and yeah. by by just that enough playfulness just that enough not seriousness 
makes the seriousness so much more heavy. Um, I'm just in awe of that ability, you know? Um, it, yeah. It, 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 it makes it, uh, it makes it stronger, but it also puts uh, his audience at ease. Yes. You know, he had started this with uh, what, what, a, what a terrible position our country is in right now. Uh, yeah. It, it would have turned people off. Absolutely. Or they would have said, I, it would either alienate people or they would really not listen to the rest mm -hmm. of it. It's like, all right, we know where this is going. Right. I mean, I, like, I, I would agree with his politics, but if someone just starts off with a rant, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> and I think that's what makes it so effective because I'm not, it's not just what you expect. Um, I want to talk about a line in this mm -hmm. that uh, there was a, a huge education for me. Because, you know, he goes through, I mean, it's almost a cliche, he talks about Hitler and Stalin, but then mm -hmm. he goes off on Leopold of Belgium. Right. All right, let, let me just read this. King Leopold of Belgium, that's right. Everyone thinks he's so great. Leon the Congo, he tore it up. All right. Mm -hmm. And I did not know about King Leopold until this album came out. And that is as a person who had at least a working knowledge of the Congo. Yeah. Because uh, of, of Mobutu. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I... You know, who, who who rightly was a monster, right? Yeah, uh, you know, a, a dictator of, of of what was then called Zaire. But in my mind, Mobutu was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about Leopold and what the Belgians had done mm -hmm. beforehand until this song. And this song got me to reading about. It. I was like, holy crap! Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and I'm glad you bring that up because it's inter it that talking about King Leopold hadn't entered public discourse uh, much. As, I mean, I had like we're seeing that being talked about now in the midst of Europeans talking about Black Lives Matter and stuff. Okay, yeah, we're seeing it a little bit, but l let me let me offer a counterpoint there. Okay, sure. I, I'm I'm a big fan. Well, I was a big fan of uh, that PBS series on Victoria. Did you see this? I did not. Okay. Well, it's, I, it, it, it's very fluffy history uh, mm. of, of Queen Victoria. And um, you know, it, it's very relaxing Sunday night, let's put on PBS kind of fair. <laughs> gotcha. and, and, and the actress is just stunning. Mm -hmm. um, but... It's very much, G wasn't victorious well. And oh. every now and then, Uncle Leopold comes to town. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, wait, 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 I know who this is. Wait, yeah. why, why are you entertaining <laughs> this demon? Yeah. But, you know, that, that was my perspective on it until I was talking with a client of mine uh, who was originally from India. Mm -hmm. And I was... Dave, did I lose you? My audio is... No, I'm, st I'm still here. I'm here. Can you okay, hear me? Good. Yeah. About, I was talking with a client who was originally from India, and I made a passing reference about how much I 
enjoyed watching Victoria. He said, yeah, we're not too big a fan of Victoria. <laughs> I was like, oh, she was your Leopold. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> uh, but, yeah. but, you know, still, it, 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 it's this, this romanticized uh, view of, of uh, you know, in, in this show, the, the, the benevolent colonists. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's almost it, it's almost you know like Star Trek the Next Generation uh, at the end of every hour Victoria has solved some huge global problem <laughs> well that's right. okay she didn't really figure out the cholera epidemic that was yeah <laughs> that, that was a preacher who was making maps at home but, but, but she's the big hero of this uh Right. I went down that rabbit hole just to say that, that just like Victoria is, is, is revered, uh, Leopold in this very modern uh, portrayal is, mm-hmm. is still seen very positively. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, so, I think, go ahead. So you, you were talking about the Black Lives Matter and movement in, mm-hmm. in England. Uh, I'm not familiar. Tell, tell me. Yeah. Well, just, I think, you're seeing you're seeing these the protests that started here are are have spread to europe um you know when uh i I don't remember where it was in england where they actually pulled down a statue of a slave trader and dumped him in the river you know uh that was pretty astonishing when when you think about um how the how the protests jumped upon like that and i've seen a lot of stuff recently i would say the last you know six months to a year of people dealing with um, the legacy of, of Leopold. Um, and I, I've se- just seen more stuff about him. Like, yeah, when, when this came out, I don't think I heard this when it came out, but um, uh, that would have been, I mean, I didn't know anything about Leopold until the last, you know, few years. Um, but, but we're seeing sort of a reckoning with a lot of, of, sort of the great man theory of history where we've whitewashed the legacies of people like Winston Churchill, who, again, you know, in folks in India have not a lot of reason to like Churchill. Um, You know, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, great, great person, also kind of racist towards black folks. Um, You know, so I I think, um, I I think we're moving toward a much more mature phase of history, I hope, where we can acknowledge that people are complicated and not just two-dimensional, you know, that they, they may have done some good, but they may have also done a lot of bad. Um, and I, I, it's, hard, it's, hard, it's hard for people to take that kind of perspective. Like Columbus is either a hero or he's well, he actually was a villain, but you know. <laughs> yeah, let's come up with a more nuanced well, example. Yeah, I was, I was trying. I was trying. I, poor, poor choice. Um, but but when I was growing up, Columbus was celebrated as a hero. Yeah, yeah. There was no thought he, given to it. He was a courageous discoverer, and he you know went to Isabella and had this bold idea, and he went and did you know, um, and that that all can be true, and he could also be um, a slaver and a murderer and a colonizer, you know, um, I think, uh, it's, it's when we tell stories, um, when we tell histories, 
bringing that nuance along and uh, I think helps us understand our, our present better. Um, I kind of roll my eyes at the end of this song mm -hmm. because he talks about it's the end of an empire. Mm -hmm. This empire's ending like all the rest, like the Spanish Armada adrift on the sea. I, I, I feel like we've been saying that for 80 years. Mm -hmm. Oh, America's in decline. The empire is insane. <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, at some point, something's got to give. I, <laughs> right. I understand. And, you know, I've, I've been watching America's response to COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's been, been a very imperialistic response. A lot of American exceptionalism. You know, you can't say, look at what a great job Taiwan is doing. That's not going to convince anybody. Right. Because we are not going to emulate Taiwan. Right. Um, so I'm kind of curious. Your crystal ball is probably as fuzzy as mine. Where do you see the country going? Mm -hmm. it, it is, is it an empire that's going to just kind of atrophy atrophy over a few hundred years like Rome, or is it going to just collapse on its own weight like the Soviets? I, where do you see this going? Yeah, um, I, think it, I, <laughs> I think it's a great question. Um, you know, like you're, like you're saying, if you keep predicting the end of an empire, eventually you'll be right, <laughs> you know? Um, but, but I do think we have the sense, especially now in this, in this moment of, um, you know, America has lost its, its place as a leader in the world in part because of who we've chosen as our leaders. Um, and in part because of, of a um, decades long program of, anti-intellectual and, and pro-oligarchy um, policy. Um, but I think if, if, I'm, if I'm looking at my crystal ball, I'm, I'm, I think the future is, I mean, we, we are in, I, Phyllis Tickle, I'm sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Phyllis Tickle, um, Christian historian, uh, talked about that we go through these periods of 500-year rummage sales. She, she didn't actually coined that idea. She borrowed it from someone else, but it's, she tells it very well. Um, kind of like Gutenberg, you know, 500 years ago, Gutenberg invented the printing press. Um, and it's not that the printing press changed the world, but the forces were in place that the printing press enabled these forces to move in a certain direction. So it generated the reformation. It generated right. the scientific revolution, et cetera, et cetera. It helped, it helped um, all these forces accelerate. And so now we have the internet, we have artificial intelligence. Um, and this is our Gutenberg moment. So we're in one of those 500 year rummage sales where the things that we have taken for granted, the beliefs that we've had before all get laid on the table. And we try to decide what's going to stay and what's going to go. Um, and I think, you know, white supremacy is one of those things that's on the table. Uh, you know, can is there a way we can get rid of this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this thing that our, 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 our ancestors left us like a, a terrible thing in your basement that you want to get rid of. Can we, can we throw that out somehow? Um, you know, uh, what, how do we restructure the world? Um, you know, questions about democracy is democracy actually all it's cracked up to be. We got a lot of people who think it's not as, it's not great. 
Um, you know, to me, that's scary. I don't want to let democracy go. Um, but I do think some of the basic understandings of institutions and social structures are also on the table. I think um, corporations have had free reign for the last 500 years, ever since the East India Company. Yeah. Um, I think corporations are about to have a, a messy reckoning. Um, I think the way that we conceive of social relationships are not, are not going to be mediated as much through hierarchical institutions like the church. Um, I've been saying this in church for a long time. Um, that, just, that Just like we're getting ahead. away from the great man philosophy of, of history, we're, we're yeah. moving away from that. In our in our institutions as well, I think so. I, I I think you're seeing a lot more grassroots. You know, the Black Lives Matter movement. One of their sayings is, "We're not leaderless; we're leaderful." Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of power in that. And there's you know, this sort of re reckoning with indigenous wisdom. Um, you know, the people, best people to listen to about saving the planet are the people who have not you know, fully bought into capitalist colonial ways of, of understanding life. Some of the happiest people in the world are, um, you know, we've been measuring a, a nation's success by GDP. Maybe we should measure happiness, you know, um, what gives people fulfilling lives. And I think, um, and I know I'm just kind of shotgunning ideas here, but I think all this, I think all this stuff is lay, is like laying on the table and the next few decades, we're going to be figuring out how these pieces fit together to, to build something new. And I don't know even, frankly, that nation states, um, I, borders and, and, and you know, the, the typical policymaking bodies we've thought of for the last 500 years are going to make sense anymore. I was talking with, with, with my wife. Yeah, a few weeks ago, just one of those, one of those wild theoretical things that you talked about. I said, you know, there are roughly 200 countries right now. How many countries do you think there will be in 50 years? Mm-hmm. She's like, it'll either be a lot more or a lot fewer. Yeah, nothing. Absolutely, I think that's true. I think that's very true. Um, yeah, I, um, I don't know. You know, you've got people who are afraid of a one-world government. <laughs> And, and I don't think I don't think anyone is that competent to run the world. Um, but I think hyperlocal. Um, I think the internet is demonstrating that hyperlocal uh, stuff can have worldwide impact. So, gosh, I don't know. Well, if any of my listeners have an answer to that, you know, we'd, we'd love to hear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, before we close the book on this song, any, any other comments for you? Any, any other snippets you'd like to? Well, I, I, so I can't, I can't say what he says about the Supreme Court, but mm-hmm. it's still, oh my God, that those couple of lines, <laughs> it, uh, oh, oh man, that just knocks me over. Um, so, you know, he's, he's as, as, a, as a white straight guy, I can't talk about, Italians or black folks, but the line um, he's describing uh, right. Clarence Thomas, as for the brother, well, Pluto is not a planet anymore either. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just knocks, knocks me over uh, whenever I hear that. 
Um, I think he's, he's pointing out something though, that, that has become more widely known or widely understood now, which is that um, in, in the identity politics we live under, um, there is a lot of internalized oppression um, and, and trauma. And that, um, you know, just because um, someone looks like you or claims a a similar identity doesn't mean that they're your friend. Yeah. Um, And I think in some ways there's some hope in that because I feel like um, that also means that someone can be very different from you and they could be your friend. Mm. Um, So, you know, I I like saying when I'm talking about, we were talking about religion earlier, um, I have far more in common with a peace and justice seeking Muslim or a peace and justice seeking atheist or a peace and justice seeking Jew or Hindu than I do with a Christian who does not seek those things, you know? And so I, to me, that's where the hope, uh, that's where the hope for the future comes from. Keep, keep, keep preaching, man. Oh, thank oh, you. oh shoot. One more thing. Yeah. I, maybe you can figure out this line for me. Why does he say that sometimes he likes to think about the Spanish Inquisition? <laughs> what I, is he saying there? I don't know. No, I was actually wondering that myself. Um, is it just like, is he saying, you know, we all have sort of this perverse, you know, torture imagination. Like sometimes I like to think about it. I like to think about, you know, being able to impose my will on other people or there's some people I'd like to torture, you know, <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's best, my best guess. Um, that, that's as good a guess as any. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm sure that there's someone out there who has very strong opinions about what he wants <laughs> and we'd love to hear from him. Hey, it's time to spin the wheel, Dave. All right, spin the wheel. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share my screen so that okay. you will be able to spin the wheel. And folks, if you want to spin the wheel at home, just go to Twitter and go to uh, my pinned tweet. That's at Wheel of Randy. And you can play the home game. So what I'm going to do now is... Can, can you see that on your screen? I can see it. I see it flipping. flipping All right. Through. So so, uh, press your luck. Get, <laughs> yell stop and let's do this. Okay. Spin the wheel, spin the wheel, spin the wheel of Randy. Stop. Four eyes. Okay. Uh, I don't like this song, but the wheel wheel does what the wheel does. All right, guys, this song is Four Eyes. It is off the album Land of Dreams, and uh, audience will be back in a minute. Bet my money on a bobtown drag all the doodah day. And we're back. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm getting a YouTube ad here. Let me turn that off. All right. I assume you've never heard this song before. I have not heard that one before, actually. Um, I pulled up the lyrics so I could follow along. That was not okay, one. Good. Yeah. Good deal. Um, <laughs> this whole album. Uh, you know, this is you know, mid-80s Randy Newman, when, mm-hmm. when, uh, which, you know, can't blame him. Everyone was doing synth. Yeah. 85, 86. So he said, yes. yeah, this won't sound dated. 
Don Henley, all, a bunch of other football folks. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, you, 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 you've got the lyrics here. I've heard a lot of first day of school songs. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard one like this. No. Well, I, I was thinking, you know, it, it actually kind of, um, it captures a little bit of the terror, <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember like first day of school for myself, what that was like. And I don't really remember a whole lot. I do remember well, transitioning. Yeah. I remember going to a new school. I remember coming, you know, going, going to Randolph from Riverton. I remember, you know, transitions that I made, but, um, and it was a little bit like, Oh my God, my parents have dropped me off here. What's, what am I supposed to do now? Um, but, uh, and, and now you're, now you have to be socialized into this culture. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he realizes, Oh God, not only do I have to go to school now, I'm supposed to, you know, earn a living for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. just want to play cowboy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious. Uh, I've never read a lot of, I've never read a, a biography of Randy Newman, but I would love to find out more about him and his father because he writes a ton of father and son songs. He does. And, That's, yeah. Most of them, the father is goofy, but a little cruel. Mm -hmm. And and this, this one fit, fits into that. Um, writes yeah. a lot of dead father songs too. Yeah, interesting. Well, you know, I almost wonder if that's. It's almost. I'm not. I'm not saying it's. It's cliche, but it's almost an artist, artist's shtick, right? You're processing, you know, your your own relationship with your parents and and what that's like. I think it has, that has a lot of resonance for for a lot of people. Um, I'm I'm a little bit gratified that you know my own my own son often says that um after he talks with his friends that he's he's grateful he has us for parents um and I've all, I always felt that way about my parents I've always been very grateful um because when I hear when I hear other stories about people's relationships with their parents I think dang that's that's pretty harsh you know I'm I'm wondering if, if some of this is generational. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder if there was this attitude. Uh, you know, he was born uh, you know, just before the war, so uh, here we are, late forties, early fifties, going to school. I wonder if there was very much this attitude of you know you've got to you've got to be tough. You know, right. The Russians and the Germans aren't you know sitting at home watching cartoons. That that's yeah very true very true, well and, and you do hear some of that in um, uh, like it, it actually it it might it might be tough but it is is an expression of love because I want you to be able to survive you know yeah. and um yeah interesting yeah. parenting is uh, you know our kids are about the same age. Yeah, so you try to be encouraging, but you try to try to make them be smart about it. Right, right. 
Well, at this point, so we we have one. He's he's seventeen, and he's you know, now now he's at the age where he can go out the door, get in the truck, and drive somewhere he wants to go. He says, "Okay, I'll be back." And you know, my wife and I look at each other like, "Oh my gosh, we're we're that age." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been it's been that long. And then, um, uh, but but yeah, there's there's this sense of of um my my own stage of of parenting is like okay i've i've done most most of what i can do i can still be a help i can still be a crutch if i need to be a crutch but i'm not um i, I you know can't protect them forever i think about what, what is it uh, is it finland where there's the tradition where they they walk the kids into the middle of the woods and leave them there oh i don't know but that is it aren't they they're the ones that do the orienteering right that's a big yeah, big yeah, deal yeah. in one of those Scandinavian countries. It may be, maybe Finland. That, that's what I, I, the the first time I listened to this, just as a casual listener, I, I didn't, it, it didn't occur to me that he was talking about school. I oh. kind of felt that his dad was just dumping him in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. you know, you might as well have. It probably felt like it. Yeah. Probably yeah. felt like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's it is interesting because because there's a lot of times we think of those rites of passage, of you know first day of school or you know getting your driver's license or whatever, but um, you know if there's no preparation, you're not expecting it, and it sounds like in this case it's like no one ever said, oh, you're going to school now, or I get you know, the feeling I, maybe he wasn't paying much attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like oh, it's school starting. Okay, get in the car, let's go, and you know. <laughs> We, I, I remember we talked with our son for a long time. Oh, one, okay, well, you're going to go to school and this is what it's going to be like. And, you know, let's go to orientation. And, you know, I can't imagine. <laughs> just like, all right, you're on your own. <laughs> Golly. Golly. I, I, I don't know if you've uh, listened to, to the rest of Harps and Angels. Uh, the album that, that your song is on, but he, he's got a song called Potholes where uh, he talks about his relationship with his father and just how uh, it, it, his father would constantly remind him of, of little things that he did to screw up when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's a funny song. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, know, I don't think I know that one, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we've got one more thing here. It's a segment called This Week's Cover. This Week's Cover. This Week's Cover is where I recommend a song that, that, that someone, a Randy song that someone has covered. Uh, while we're on the subject of dead dad songs, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and recommend Linda Ronstadt's version of Texas Girl at the Funeral of Her Father. Uh, mm. This is a real tearjerker, and uh, Linda does it beautifully. Uh, so I will post a link to that uh, on our Twitter page. And that's my cover for this week. Well, Dave, how, what's the best way for people to get hold of you and keep, keep up with what you're doing? Well, probably my, my blog, uh, DaveBarnhart.net, um, is, is how you can see my most recent writing. Um, you can, there's an email link from that page, but it's easy. You can just like Dave at DaveBarnhart.net will get to me. 
Um, and can and anyone all, just zoom in on your, your church service? So yeah, uh, you can either join on Zoom or Facebook or YouTube. So we do 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, if you want to look us up on Facebook, it's St. Junia, S-A-I-N-T-J-U-N, as in November, I-A. Um, and uh, we, we go live at 10. Um, I, I do put a link if someone wants to join on Zoom. We, we have a, a worship service that's um, very, very much participatory, uh, very much discussion-oriented. I do, I do some preaching or teaching, um, but I, the, the idea is that we're there to worship, not listen to me talk. So we have a liturgy, um, and then I usually have some teaching, and we have discussion and prayer. So it's very simple. Um, but yeah, anyone can, anyone can view or participate to their level of comfort if they want to comment or be on Zoom and, and discuss. Uh, would love to have them. Dave, thanks so much for coming. I Honestly, I don't think I've seen you face-to-face for 25 years. It's been a long that, time. Uh, yeah. That, uh, you know, friendships are funny like that. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're ever in Oklahoma, you know, you, you got a couch to crash on. I appreciate that very much. Thanks for coming, Dave. Well, that's it for another week here at Wheel of Randy. We are part of the Good Trash Media Network. Thanks to Matt Fraley for our theme song. You can find Matt's music at moternmedia.com. That's M-O-T-E-R-N. Thanks to Brian Mays for our artwork. Best way to reach Brian is on Facebook at Brian Mays Art. The background music we're listening to right now is Rock and Gravel by Sid Valentine's Patent Leather Kids. And I'm using it because it's public domain. Wheel of Randy is brought to you by Wade Engineering. That's me. That's what I do during the day. I am a water and sewer engineer. I'm registered in Oklahoma and Texas. I'll register in your state if you ask nicely enough. Most of what I do is small town water and sewer engineering, but I specialize in hydraulic modeling. I build computer models for water systems, and that can help you plan your water systems more efficiently, and it can also help you with your homeowner's insurance. If you're a city official, you need a water model. Wade Engineering can be reached at 405-426-7634, and we would be happy to talk to you. We'll see you next week. Bye. It's Wheel of Randy.